to the ExtraordinaryChurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Praise God. What a wonderful presence of the Lord we feel in this place. I'm so thankful that you're here in the house of the Lord with us today on this. Ruth already said it. I reluctantly embraced it. The first snowfall on a Sunday anyway. Seems like it's snowing too early. But I'm going to wait on Jesus. Summer's coming. Praise God. Okay. Praise God. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. My name is Akil Thompson. I am the pastor of Extraordinary Church, and we believe that we are the perfect church for imperfect people. We're so glad that you're with us today. We also believe by faith, in spite of the weather, in spite of the the traffic, that we are the fastest growing church in Canada reaching the world. And we're so glad that you're here today. You are loved, and I want to personally invite all of our first-time guests to come and join us downstairs uh, at our guest reception. We would love to have a moment to connect with you. Do me a favor. uh, Get your Bible, your Bible app. uh, Get that together. Praise God. Thank you. Praise God. Get that Bible up in the air, if you will, or your device uh, with that Bible app open, and make this declaration with me, if you wouldn't mind. Praise God. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. I can have what it says I can have. I can be what it says I can be. And I can do what it says I can do. Praise God. Thankful for the Word of God. Amen. Let's go ahead and jump right on into what I feel like the Lord has given me today. Do want to open up your Bibles to Genesis 22. Genesis 22. I'll be reading out of the New Living translation. Praise God. Genesis 22, verse 1. So good to have my mom with me, uh, and we appreciate her being here. She watches and uh, stays connected, and we surprised Mia with a surprise party, and uh, Grandma was waiting, and that was good. So thank you, Grandma, for coming on up. We had a great time. Genesis 22, verses 1 through 5. Praise God. I'm reading out of the New Living. Here we go, here we go, here we go. You ready? All right. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire, for a burnt offering, and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. 
the boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. <laughs> wow. Let's look at Romans 4.12. Romans 4.12. We're going to read out of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Romans 4.12, it reads, And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised. But only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. And I want to preach this thought to you this afternoon for a few moments, maybe 25, 30 minutes. How could you, Abraham? How could you, Abraham? Would you help me pray, Father, we love you. We give you praise. We're thankful for what you're doing in this place. Anoint me with the type of anointing that makes ministry effective. You are the one true living God. There's nobody to your left or to your right. We declare that you are God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. We thank you that we know who you are. Show yourself in this place. Do what you want to do. We'll give you the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord? Amen. You may be seated in his presence. Since leaving the Ur of the Chaldeans, Abraham had come a long way. Not merely in uh, terms of miles or distance traveled, but also in how great his faith had become. I want to just tell somebody right now that you don't produce or God doesn't produce in you a great faith overnight. It takes a time. It takes a journey. So I don't want anybody to be discouraged. Stay on this Christian journey, and God will produce a great faith in you. But this spiritual nomad had endured a number of trials, some of which got the best of him. He sinned, if you recall, by running into Egypt and lying to Pharaoh and even repeated the same sin with Abimelech. Then he'd gotten ahead of God's plan and, uh, by sleeping with Hagar, which was Sarah's servant. Despite all that, Abraham established his reputation as a devoted man of God whose journey of faith earned the respect of his peers. As a matter of fact, when you read it, it tells us that Abraham staggered not at the promises of God. Praise God. Now, we just, I just told you, I didn't read the scriptural accounts, but we just told you when a famine hit, he went down into Egypt and he repeated that same thing. I told you of the mess up he had with Hagar. So how is it that he did not stagger at the promises of God? I'll tell you how he didn't stagger at the promises of God is because there's a difference between wickedness and weakness. And the fact that there's a big distinction between wickedness and weakness, after Abraham made a mistake, he got back up again, built an altar, repented, and got back into alignment with what God was doing in his life. Can I tell you, if you made a mistake, the righteous man falls down, but gets back up. Don't stay down. Don't stay where you are. Stagger not at the promises of God. Stagger not at his promises. He left his comfortable life behind to follow God wherever he led. And if you're going to follow God, can I just tell you, you're going to leave comfort. I know, I know I'm only going to get a couple of amens, but if you, if you think this Christian journey is one of comfort, then you're going to be in for a rude awakening. 
He demonstrated, he being Abraham, an uncommon maturity while dealing with Lot's exasperating shortcomings as a man. He showed outstanding bravery in rescuing his family from a mighty army. He faithfully represented the one true creator in almost every situation, even in his failures, because he repented. And let me just tell you what I love about Abraham is he built an altar there. You got to have an altar in your life, EC fam. We got to have altars in our lives. And some years after receiving Isaac, as promised by God, the, the time had come for Abraham's faith to be put to the supreme test. God is omniscient, this we know, and he knows, matter of fact, he's omnipresent. He is not bound by time. He's in our past, he's in the future, and he's in our present. But I want to make one thing clear. See, God doesn't put people to a test to see how well their faith responds under fire. He prepares the test of faith to show us what we're really made of. Whether we pass or whether we fail, we still get a better understanding of who we are and where we are. We learn about ourselves, where we need to improve, where we discover how spiritually mature we are and if we're trusting Him. And let me just help somebody right now. You are not mature because you've been in church a particular period of time. Time does not equate to maturity. I know a lot of grown men who don't know how to behave and live like men. But we are, our maturity is reflected by our obedience. And our obedience will produce spiritual fruit that will remain. But at this point in Abraham's journey, Isaac has now become a young adult. Isaac is not, as a matter of fact, if you read it and you study it, uh, in the Hebrew here, uh, he, he's really a young male, a, a young male uh, from infancy to adulthood, uh, when they refer to a young man or the child, if you will, could be anywhere from three to even 15 years of age. Isaac was clearly old enough to travel without his mother, engage his father in reasonable conversation, dialogue. He understood uh, what was unfolding, if you will. He knew he was clearly strong enough to climb a mountain and carry an armload of firewood. Having enjoyed several years with his son, talking about Abraham, Abraham has his faith tested with an unusual and unexpected command. Here's what God said in Genesis 22 and 2. Take your son your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. Go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Abraham, how could you? As a father, I can easily imagine the anguished questions that must have run through Abraham's mind. Why must I give up my son? How will Isaac produce descendants as promised by God if he's dead? How can God require a human sacrifice like the detestable pagans of Canaan? But see, we, we see no indication of hesitation. We see no reluctance in Abraham. We see no resistance in Abraham. We see no arguing in Abraham, from Abraham. We see no bargaining from Abraham. We see no pleading from Abraham. We see no delay what 
so ever. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in the 22nd chapter, the third verse, that Abraham got up early the next morning. He rose. He got Isaac ready from bed and led him through the early morning darkness to find a donkey loaded with firewood and two servants waiting to set out on a journey. They traveled for three days to a place called Moriah. The precise location is, is debatable. We won't get into that. But I do know this. The Bible omits any conversation or narrative that took place on this journey. I wonder if the four men, if they really traveled in complete and utter silence. One can certainly, I know this, that Abraham wasn't engaged in small talk. Ugh. The, the, the weight of the moment was real. It was pronounced. I, 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 I wonder if Isaac was thinking to himself, well, dad's not as talkative as normal. I wonder if the servants observed, well, there's an interesting dynamic here. It's almost, there's no tension, but there's this silence that is, is deafening, if you will. Interesting, Isaac probably wondered, what on earth is happening right here? What's going on? But he had been trained by his father to trust him. So when his dad said, let's go, he falls in line. Didn't understand the situation. Still knew the righteous character of his father. When they close in on their destination, Abraham sees the place afar off, looming above them. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I are going to go a little farther. We will worship there. And then we will come right back. Now, wait a second. Wait a second. We know what God told you to do, Abraham. Sacrifice your only son. I want you to see the faith that Abraham is operating with here. We're going to worship there, and we'll be right back. He didn't understand the situation in totality, but he too knew the righteous character of the God that he served, and he believed the promise that he made. I want you to take note of the pronouns in Abraham's instructions. We, the first plural, will worship. We, the second and first person plurality, we will come back. I think it's these pronouns, the use of these pronouns reflected a genuine expectation. We will be right back. I know God is a God who cannot lie. He will not disappoint. He will not let me down. He will come through. Abraham is supremely convinced. One New Testament writer summarized it like this, and I, I quote him. He was talking about Abraham's state of mind. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Wow. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac is dead, God was going to bring him back to life again. <sighs> what a confidence that he had. And the story unfolds. I, I, I don't want anybody here to, to lose touch with the humanity of this situation. Place yourself in Abraham's sandals. 
you know, you've heard that idiom, you, uh, until you walk in my shoes, you don't, you, you don't know where I've been until you've experienced the hurt that I've experienced. I appreciate the empathy. I appreciate the sympathy. But you don't truly understand. I want you to feel the warmth of your son walking by you. I want you to feel the, the knife on your hip. I want you to feel the weight of the wood and the, the splinters perhaps in your skin. I want you to envision the summit you're climbing, and I want you to think about the rocks you're navigating. I want you to think about you plunging that razor-sharp knife into the chest of your only child. Pause there, and you examine your emotions. What questions would you be asking God? What questions would you be asking? Abraham didn't have the luxury that we have. He didn't say, open up your Bibles to Genesis 22. He didn't know what would happen next, which makes his conversation with Isaac all the more meaningful. This is crazy, fam. Watch this. It's like me saying, like, you know, my son Lincoln saying to me, hey, Dad. And I'm like, what's up, boy? He's like, well, uh, you know, we got everything. We got the torch. We got the knife. We got the wood. Uh, okay, good. Let's, 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 let's be about it. Uh, one quick second. Where's the sacrifice? <laughs> you got to remember, I Isaac. <laughs> My bad, bro. You got to remember, Lincoln had been with me on many t journeys where we have offered sacrifices. He knew something was missing. He knew something was not all in order. He knew the routine. Normally there's an animal, Dad. Where's it at? I don't get it. This is crazy. This is crazy. This only serves to heighten perhaps the anguish that Abraham feels. As Abraham begins to speak, his words cast light on why he could have been silent. Amid the anguish that uh, Abraham is dealing with, now he's confident in who will provide. It's amazing how kids, you know what I love about kids, they'll just, uh, they'll just, you know, they'll just say the elephant in the room, especially when they were young. Because, you know, your kids would just see people and they would kind of blurt out the obvious you were like, no, 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 you don't say that. You don't say that. You keep that to yourself. You ponder that in your heart like Mary did. And we know. We, everybody can see it. We know it's the elephant in the room, but you ain't got to bring it up. This is what Abraham, I mean, this is what Isaac did. Isaac was like, hey, we got everything, but where's the sacrifice? Where's the obvious? And Abraham finally speaks with remarkable clarity, and he's prophesying too. He says, God will provide himself a sacrifice. In other words, I want you to see this because what God is revealing, what Abraham is connecting to at this point, he's seeing through the eyes of faith how indeed he's going to have many children. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had, I didn't even grow up in Sunday school, and I know that. And I am one of them. 
I'm telling you right now, what Abraham saw when he got to that mountain, he saw in faith that God was going to robe himself in flesh, and from the foundations of the world, a lamb was slain who was going to lay down his life for you and I. The one who knew no sin became sin for you and I. The one who was wounded for our healing, the one who died and rose again, his name is the one true living God. He says, he says, God will provide himself. So important that you get that. He didn't send somebody else. He came himself. He came. He came. He came. And Abraham sees that. Now this, this is fascinating. So before he gets ready to take his life, son, he looks and there's a ram in the thicket. This is wild because when they arrived and before they knew the place to go, Abraham, he builds an altar. And it must have felt like he was turning down the sheets on a deathbed. His faithful father looks at his son and his son, it's like he says, son, let down, lie down here on the altar. Isaac, the narrative doesn't give us all of the details, but we know that Isaac doesn't fight. Though he was strong enough I can imagine right now, I remember, I won't say it. <laughs> no, I won't say it. But though he was strong enough to carry that wood up there to help his father, Isaac willingly laid himself on the altar, obediently stretched himself across the logs, we're not told how he felt at that moment, but we can be sure that he knew exactly what this meant. His bound hands told him what would happen next. How in the world is Abraham able to do this? Or how was Isaac, excuse me, able to do this? His father trained him in the discipline of humble obedience. Moreover, Isaac trusted his father implicitly. He never doubted his father's love. And obviously, hear me. Obviously, he did not fear death. Hebrews says four things talking about the book of Hebrews uh, in the New Testament. It says there's uh, a rest for the people of God. Just follow me here for a moment, and I'm going to come back to something. But this means becoming a Christian alone doesn't complete the work of God in your life. It begins the work of God. When you are born again, when you have faith in Christ, you repent of your sins. You're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. According to Scripture, you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, evidence uh, by the Spirit of God indwelling in you. And you speak in another tongue as the Spirit of God gives you the ability to speak. That is the beginning of the work of God in your life. It puts you into his hands so he can mold you and shape you. It allows the Lord to use every day of your life and every opportunity he brings to grow you and to get you to progress to a place where he wants you to be. So he can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. There are choices for Abraham here, fam. Every time he made a choice, it was to deny himself and his fleshly desires and do the will of God. And each time God spoke to him, Abraham built an altar and worshiped God. Sacrifices are made at every step in his life. As a Christian, every step of your life will have a measure of sacrifice. 
more of ourselves is dealt with in each step, and more of God's will is fulfilled in our lives until he gets us to where he wants us to be. So, let me just back up here for a moment. How could Abraham get to this place? Are you ready? Let me show you. Let's look at Genesis 12 and 1. The Lord said to Abraham, yeah, yeah, I want y'all to see this. Let's get him to Genesis 12 and 1. The Lord has said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Uh, and curse those who treat you with contempt. Sorry, I'm reading out of the New Living, but I study New King James. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed. He's not Abraham at this point. Abram, Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. Abraham leaves his land. I can relate because I've left my land. Many of you all know what it's like to leave your homeland. You've been there before. I know Richmond, Virginia, like the back of my hand. It's, I don't, I don't need a map to get around. I don't need a GPS to get around. I know exactly where I'm at. I've lived all over the city. When I get there, it's intuitive to me. I understand it. I know what it's like to leave that place of familiarity, your home, if you will. But not only did he leave his home, he was commanded or instructed by God to leave his family. He leaves his family, and he, he also not only leaves his family, but he also leaves his culture. That's like me. Now, I, I've left land, and we've left family, but praise God, I can get a hold of some collard greens here in Toronto. Praise God, I can get a hold of some macaroni. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I can get a hold of some macaroni and cheese and do what I need to do because of my culture. The one thing I can't get, I need y'all to help me, I need some grits in my life. I need some grits. That's why when I go back home, one of the first places I go is to Waffle House. Y'all don't know nothing about Waffle House. My girl right there, Sheena, is with me. Praise God. I'm like, let me get some grits right now. Jesus, praise God. He left all that behind. Can I just share something with you really quickly? You have to leave first before you can go anywhere. Watch this. Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Before you can go anywhere, you must leave first. However, here's the kicker. Lot should have never gone with Abraham. Now it's going to get real. Not everyone is designed or called to go with you. Oh, Jesus, help me. Help me, Lord. Help me. And I know that sounds like a slight because we want everybody to go with us. Everybody's not going to go with you. I know this for a fact, and some people aren't, don't, don't want to go with you. We know this because a lot ends up in Sodom and Gomorrah. 
There was something in Lot's heart that made him gravitate toward carnality. Some of you all got people in your life, in your circles that you're connected to, in your spaces that have a carnality in them. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I, I, I'm talking about, yeah, they, they're in the church, but they're not really in the church. They're, they're in, but it seems like when you get around them, they, they, they long for things that God called them out of. They, they long for the things they celebrate and they reminisce so much so that they look fondly upon the days before they came to know the Lord. You got to be careful who you let in your life. God gave uh, Abraham or Abram at this time very clear instructions. Lot was not a part of that plan. <sighs> Abraham doesn't know it at first, but as they continue to walk, as he continues to walk out God's plan for his life, he realizes there's tension between his herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen. Watch this. Now, I, I want you to not lose sight of what how Abram is living out faith. Watch what he does here. Remember in Genesis 12, 1, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family. Go to a land that I will show you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. He's got this promise. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had instructed but look at it, and Lot went with them. Now, there's tension. Because at this point, they've been in Egypt. They leave Egypt with a ton of stuff. And I want you to look at this here, and uh, I want to show you this. This is, this is crazy. Uh, this is Genesis 13. Genesis 13. Uh, look at verse 8. Uh, Finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. First of all, I appreciate, even right here, this is how you handle a dispute. I love the fact that Abraham indicates that he is the more mature one, and he begins to set a standard of where we're going to go. Let's not allow this conflict to become between us or our herdsmen. After all, we're close relatives. I'm going to show you how close he was here in just a moment. But, but look at this. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of land you want, and we will separate you. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. Who can argue this? Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord uh, or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and the servants and parted company with his uncle Abraham. I can remember... What I'm trying to tell you, see, the, the first thing I, I, I want to just say here, look at, look at verse 11. I'm, I'm going to say it now. Look at verse 11 of chapter 13. What does it say? Lot chose. Uh, 
Lot chose for himself. Whatever self is there, you can always miss it. When we're selfish and we make decisions that center around me, myself, and I, you will always make a decision that is carnal and not spirit-led. Are you hearing me? You got to make sure that the Spirit of God is leading you. And I can remember, I'm trying to help you out right now, but I told my wife this. I said, man, uh, when I look at this, I remember in my life, there were people in my life that I'm still friends with, but I don't hang out with them all the time. There's people in my life that, you know what, I got to have a little distance between us. Oh, there's some people in my life that, that, that if I'm not careful, I, I need you to stick with me. See, uh, this is important because Abram has a unique bond here. Uh, Abram is 75 when God told him to go. It's clear from the very beginning that Abram and Sarah wanted to have kids, but they could not have kids. We understand that. So Abram is 75. At that point, Lucia, he's made up his mind. I'm not having kids. It's not going to happen. And then he gets a promise from God. Okay? So he's out. But he's got somebody in his life. Now, Lot is his brother's son. His brother is dead. So this relationship and connection he has with Lot is not just, oh, that's my nephew. Lot is like a son to him. He's like, this is my son. I treat him like he's mine. And so, when he comes on, this is interesting. This is not an easy decision to separate from Lot. But he has to make this necessary. Oh, I'm going to help somebody. It might not be an easy decision, but it is a necessary decision. <laughs> Let me tell you right now. You know where you live out your faith? You live out your faith in the context of relationships. <sighs> And you have to decide, now, God, who do I have to have in my life and who do I have to have out of my life? And what's interesting is this. If you're not careful, I remember I had one person. Uh, I ain't calling no names. Uh, but uh, when I got into church, when I was like, yo, Jesus is real, I was shocked. When I received the Holy Ghost, I was like, Man, Jesus is real. Like, no joke. I always believed in God, but I never thought he was so real that like he would live like real talk live inside of me. So when I received the Holy Ghost, I was like, yo, Jesus is real. I wasn't interested in anything he called me out of. And I can remember I was hanging out with somebody that was a Christian and uh, uh, we were hanging out and I was new. I was like brand new in my faith. And this guy was jamming to this song and uh, you know, I, he was like, and he was bobbing ahead and he was like, yeah, da, da. and he was like, yo, you remember this? And I was like, uh, yeah, I remember that. But I don't think, I'm not really trying to listen to that. And I remember thinking to myself, something don't seem right about that kind of Christianity. I think it's a little, 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 too, a little too close to the things of the world. I was like, I don't need that in my life. And so what I had to do is I had to make the tough decision to say, you know what? I love you. I appreciate you. But you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to go this way. Can I help you out right now in your walk with God? 
Some of you, I'm, I'm, about, I'm, about to, I'm about to blow your mind in a minute. I'm going to tell you why you haven't seen what you haven't seen. And I believe we all, Scripture tells us in Galatians, uh, that, that we are part of that Abrahamic covenant. We will. I mean, God has given it to us. But let me tell you something that I want you to see. This is so important because I don't want you to miss this. This is crazy. Uh, watch this. Watch this. Now, here's what he says. We got to leave. Uh, Genesis 13, I read it. Finally, Abraham said to Allah, let's not allow this conflict to become between us, our herdsmen. After all, we're close relatives. We're family. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any selection or section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, I'll go to the left. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of Jordan in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the Garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abraham or Abram. This is important. One reason why I believe Abram wasn't too pressed about this is because he knew the blessing was on his life. The blessing was on his life. So he was like, whatever you want, Lot, that's fine. The blessing is on my life. I'm going to get what God has for me. <sighs> but it gets crazy. I want you to see this. So Abraham, uh, Lot chose for himself uh, the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and parted company with his uncle Abraham. It is right there, right there, right there. Hear me, fam. So Abraham settled in the land of Canaan, and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly against the Lord. I want you to know one translation says it like this. It says, the moment Lot departed, Abraham saw what God had for him. The moment you get rid of people that don't need to be in your life, the moment you make some changes in your relational ecosystem, you are going to see what God has for you. I know this is tough. I know this is tough. This is a hard pill. Just, just maybe I'm, I'm trying to say it as sweet as I can. Let me give it to you with a spoonful of sugar to help it go down. How could you, Abraham? Do you know how Abraham got to that place where he dutifully and in faith willingly was going to take the life of Isaac because he knew what it would take when he was willing to part ways with Lot? It started a long time ago. Abraham didn't generate or produce this kind of faith overnight. He was willing to say, you know what? I've got to get what God has for me. And I love you, but you're not a part of that. I remember telling this guy, this guy that I was like, hey, you know what? I knew I, uh, the way you jamming out to that music, I got to chill with that. Boundaries. Let me just help you right now. Every relationship needs boundaries. Doesn't mean I love that dude any less. But I don't hang out with him all the time. No, 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 fam. I don't connect with him when I see him, if I see him. 
when they holler at me on social media, I love you, bro. Appreciate you. But I can love you better at a distance. I can love you at a distance and walk in the victory, the joy, and the peace that God has for me. So maybe for you, maybe it's not a person. Maybe Lot is of some other sort of noun. Maybe it's a thing. But what is God calling you to separate from? I feel the Holy Ghost. What is God calling you to separate? Because here's the thing. I want you to hear me. You'll never see what God has for you until you separate yourself from Lot. Somebody ought to lift their hands and just begin to allow God to talk to them. I'm trying to help you right now. I believe the Holy Ghost is here to talk to us and to stir us up, to speak to us clearly in the name of Jesus. God, I want you to do what you want to do. Speak to us clearly, God. We're willing to lay it down in the name of Jesus. Watch this. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you because you think I'm making this up. Let's go to Genesis 13. I want, each, I want you to show them four, the 14th verse in the New King James. Watch this. Genesis 13, 14 in the New King James. Here it is. And the Lord, look at this, said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are. Wow. Northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. Watch this. Now, stay there. Genesis 13, 14. I just want to show you something. Watch this. Let me go back to Genesis 12. Now the Lord had said to Abram, verse 1, get out from your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land I will show you. It wasn't until, it wasn't until Abraham gets to that place where he and Lot are separated. I know I'm cooking somebody's grits right now. It wasn't until verse 14 of chapter 13, and the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes, my God, and now look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, in other words, no matter where you look, Abraham, it's yours. And now you can see what I have for you. Let me just help you. You know what Abraham was saying? I can see clearly now. The rain is gone. I can see all obstacles. Thank you, Pastor Barry. Y'all act. He can see clearly now. Because a lot separated from me. I'm going to tell you a story, and then I feel like I'm going to be done. I want our musicians to come. I thought about this today, babe, and I had never thought about this before in my life until I'd read this. I'm going to help our young adults right now. This is getting real, but you know what? If we don't help them, help us, I just ain't trying to fake no funk with nobody. I'm at Paulie, not just our young adults, just anybody. Everybody's watching online. They're like, whoa, big head, big head. Big head, too big, too big. This is, this is important. I remember being uh, in 
A relationship, kind of, sort of, maybe. This is before Sarah. But it wasn't the will of God. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. It wasn't the will of God. No, it wasn't. And I remember having this thought. Um, this relationship was toxic. We just, we were trying, I was trying to live for God, but it would seem like every time I try to take a step forward, it's like homegirl would just take that fishing line and just, just kind of reel me back in. And I'm like, how did I get here again? I know I shouldn't be here. One day, I remember, see, here, I'm going to help you. I'm, I'm going to help somebody because the Lord revealed to me what he did. This is crazy. So I was loving Jesus as best I could, but I was betwixt two places. And it was starting to take me out, Pastor Barry. I was suffocating, fam. Because what happens is this. Hear me. This is why I'm really passionate about Extraordinary Church and the culture, the kingdom culture that we're building. Uh, is authenticity. Um, if, I, if it weren't for this deliverance that God had given me, I would have become a Pharisee. Because Pharisees practice religion. They perform. And so what I was doing is I was caught in this relationship doing things that I knew didn't please God. And I was genuinely repenting, but I was developing a habit of living contrary to the will of God and the Word of God. And so it's kind of like, you can keep saying you're sorry, you're sorry, you're sorry. But over a period of time, come on, let me just help you out, fam. Peter didn't deny Jesus 365 days a year. He denied him once. Once. At some point, at some point, it's not weakness. You're choosing. We're choosing to live a lifestyle. We're choosing it. And I was choosing it. And then I'm trying to fake the funk. I'm trying to worship and run and hoop and holler. I'd do anything just to, I was going for an emotion. I was like, Lord, please, I just want to cry and feel clean and renew. And no, it wasn't happening. And I remember I had won this young lady to the Lord. Her name was Becky. Becky had gone away to this conference. She came back, and Becky was like, she was, see, back in the day, we would have people testify, you know, they just, they receive the Holy Ghost, and they get baptized, or whatever, and they were like, come on, Becky, come on, testify, and she was like, man, I went to this conference, and she said, I fell in love with Jesus during this weekend, and I was with a friend of mine sharing my struggles, right, sharing like, yo, I'm trying, but it seems like every time I try, I find myself back here, and blah, 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 and he was like, um, he had posed the question, well, why don't you let homegirl fall in love with Jesus? And though he was talking about this girl that was in my life, I asked myself, am I in love with Jesus? And here's what happened, Sarah. Because y'all have heard me say, and the notion of just loving God with everything that I have, you know what he did? He separated me. He separated me. 
there was a separation from the lot in my life. We need to be separated from lot. Some of us got a lot we need to be separated from. And here's what's crazy. In this separation, when I went out, how many times, you all have heard me tell this story. I remember walking outside, DL, and I said this. The sky was bluer. Every time I've told that story. And you know why? Because when I was separated, the Lord let me see. He let me see. So how could you, Abraham? Because I needed to separate from Lot. How could you, Abraham, be willing to take the life of your own son? Because I had to tell Ishmael and Hagar, Hagar, go. Go. I had to separate myself. There's some family. I love them. But you know what? I've had to separate myself. You're like, that's harsh. Doesn't mean I don't love them. Doesn't mean I don't call them. Don't mean I don't hang out with them. But I've separated myself because of what God wants to do. Why don't we lift our hands and just begin to talk to God for a moment. This is a, a message where the Holy Ghost wants to search and clear. I believe right now in this moment, God's going to begin to show. Some of you are all on a journey and you're wondering, what's my purpose? You're wondering, what am I to do? What's next? I'm telling you the reason why you haven't been able to figure out what's next right now is because of the lot in your life. The Holy Ghost wants to help you and separate you from that thing right now. Separate you from that individual. He wants to separate you from that scenario. He wants to separate you from that addiction. He wants to separate you from that habit. But you've got to be willing and honest. You've got to be willing and honest like Abraham was mature enough to have a conversation and say, hey, this isn't me being evil. This isn't me being wicked. This is me acknowledging the facts. Something has got to happen. We're fighting. This is killing us. This is destroying us. And we'll both end up dead. It cannot happen. So, I'm going to let you choose. But I'm going to walk away. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to walk away. I want us to stand for a moment. This, this altar call... It's not a cute altar call. But this altar call is not for one. It's not about having it all figured out. You know what this altar call is? This is an altar call of faith. It's an altar call where you'll be willing to do what Abraham did. Abraham didn't, didn't tell Lot right away. We see that. He journeyed with him. It took him time to get to that place to say, you know what? Let's get up early. We're going to go worship. Took him some time. But right now, 
God has brought some of you to a defining moment where it's, it's taking you some time, but you can see what has to happen. You don't got it all figured out, but you've got to say, you know what? I, I, I have to let go and separate. Or maybe it's not separating. Maybe it's creating healthy boundaries. Saying, yeah, you know what? That's not going to happen. Not when I'm around. Not if we're going to hang out together. There's some boundaries that we need in this relationship if it's going to work well. It might be a habit. It might be an addiction. It could be a train, a, a, a method of thinking. But God is asking, will you separate? Will you walk away from it? I want to thank everybody watching online. I honor you. Come see us next Sunday. I will have something that I believe will encourage you. But I believe in this moment, this is encouraging. And God is trying to separate us so that we can walk in the purpose and destiny that Jesus Christ has for this church. We need to separate from Lot. Who, 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 who will come to the altar and say, you know what? I don't got it all figured out, but I'm going to give you my yes on this one, Jesus. Come on, there's young men coming. There's young ladies coming. There's people that are willing to say, God, I, I've got to let that thing down. I've got to let that thing go. I've got to let this scenario go. I've got, this is tough. Yeah, it might cost you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.